managers. Have you ever had that panic moment where you didn't know if you had your notes or not? <laughs> I just had that. So if you saw my face, that's what that was. <laughs> it's like, oh, don't forget my notes. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you will turn your Bibles with me to three passages and kind of hold your fingers there. Um, and the three are Mark 15, and we'll talk about the verse in a minute, Luke 23, and John 19. So Mark 15, Luke 23, and John 19. What I want to explore in the beginning here is the seven statements uttered by the Lord Jesus Christ who was on the cross. There's seven statements that he, he declares. And those statements are found, you kind of have to put them in order. And they're in these three passages, so we'll be skipping back and forth. So hold your fingers there as we skip back and forth between them. And it was Luke 23, Mark 15, and John 19. And so, he's on, he, Christ hung on the cross for six hours. Six hours hanging <clears throat> from a nail. Or nails, I guess I would say. And these are the words that he spoke. And we're not going to look at every one of these. We're going to focus today on the sixth statement. But we're going to look at all seven to draw the context in. So start in Luke 23. And this is the order I believe they were in. So flip to Luke 23 first and verse 34. Luke 23, verse 34. And we'll go ahead and pick up verse 33 for context. And when, they come, and when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, then Jesus, excuse me, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So the first statement of Christ when he first saw the cross is believed to be, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The next statement is found in John 19. We're not done with Luke 23, so I'll keep holding. But in John 19, this is what I believe to be the second uh, statement of Christ. And look in verse 26 and 27. Verses 26 and 27 of John chapter 19. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple, that's John, Standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Behold, thy son. Then said, saith he to his disciple, Behold, thy mother. His mother is believed to be a widow at this time. And he's taking care of his mom on the cross. That's your John, take care of her. The, the next statement is in Luke 23. So flip back to Luke 23. And this time in verse 43. And this, of course, is with the two malefactors on each side. He is talking to one of them, saying the statement to them. In verse 43, Jesus said to them, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And then there was a time, certain uh, Mark 15, there was a time where it was dark for three hours. From the sixth hour to the ninth hour. Nothing's being said during this time. Mark 15, um, Verse 34, and I think we'll pick up 33 for context. And verse 33, and when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So for three hours you have darkness. And that's when the 
veil was rent. I believe that's when many Christ, I believe, is paying for our sins during this time. I believe the wrath of God is being poured out upon him. Amen. And I can't even, I wish I could explain everything. It'd be a whole sermon in itself, and I wouldn't even touch it on just what happened maybe in these three hours or what could have happened. But then, verse 34, it says, and this is the fourth statement of Christ. He says, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that's, of course, out of Psalms 22. Powerful statement. Then you flip back over. We're done with Mark 15. So flip back over to John chapter 19 again. We'll look at the sixth statement. I believe that Christ mentioned on the cross. Verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saying, I thirst. I thirst. And then the sixth statement, the one we're going to focus on today, is in two scriptures over in John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And then back to Luke 23. Back to Luke 23 and verse 46. Is the seventh statement. It's amazing how the Bible always has seven. Number of completeness. But the seventh statement, verse 46. And when Jesus had cried a loud voice, and I believe him crying a loud voice, I believe that is him saying, it is finished. That's what I believe. Don't know that for sure, but that's what I believe he's saying. He said, "The crowd voice." He said, "Father, into my hand, into thy hands, I commend my spirit." Amen. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let's let's go to the Lord prayer. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we just are so thankful. You sent in your son to die on the cross for us, Lord, and we marvel at the words that he spoke. But we ask you to be with us today and help and guide in this, in this service, Lord, that you help us to understand more what you meant by it is finished, Lord. And ask you to give me the words to speak, Lord, and help those that are able to hear, Lord. Just thank you. That's all I can think of right now. Jesus, never pray. It is finished. Statement that I think maybe I have taken for granted. It's a statement I've taken for granted many years. Being being raised in a church like ours that believes the way we believe, you don't maybe ever really study into it. And I've really enjoyed this study as I as I've looked into it deeper and deeper. And, and I found that what is it is finished really. What does it really mean? And, and as I looked into it deeper, first of all, I don't think you can deny it was the last words of Christ. I mean, you ever thought about what your final words would be? If you could choose your final words, what would it be? Your last words. I've seen some people they write their obituary and different things. I'm not going to do that. But, you know, that, that's fine. But these are the final words of Christ. And keep in mind, every time he had to speak, when you're on the cross, you die of suffocation. So every time he had to speak, he had to push off those nails to go and say anything. His sufferings were great, no doubt. 
it is finished. But when our, our English Bible comes from Greek text, right? And in the Greek, it's not three words. It's not it is finished. It is one word. And that word is tetelestai. And I'm probably not saying it right. But it's tetelestai is the way I say it. That's the Oki version. <laughs> I don't know what the Greek version was. But the word is tetelestai. And, and it's from the, and the root word is telos. And I think that's as far as I ever really got when I studied this, is telos. Telos means, uh, and it, like I said, it's the root word of telestai. It means a goal achieved, an end reached, a debt paid. Amen. And that's pretty much as deep as I got in my personal studies and, and, and my personal thoughts. And, and I thought, is that all? Did he use the word telos or did he use telestai? What's the difference? What's the difference? What am I missing? And so as I looked at this, Three things just stuck, stuck out to me like, like nothing's ever stuck out to me before. And this word to tell us that, I want to expand upon that. I want to expand upon that. And I want, I want you to know three things about it. Number one, it's in the passive voice. And I'll explain what that means. I have no idea what that means. So, number two, it's in the indicative mood. And number three, it's in the perfect tense. And when you can wrap your arms around those things, I think it'll bless you and what it is finished means. So first of all, we're going to talk about the passive voice. What does it mean to be in the passive voice? And, and I think the best way that I saw anybody say it was this. The passive voice indicates an action that happens to the subject, not something the subject does. It's an action that indicates something happened to the subject. Who's the subject? Not something the subject does. I want you to notice Christ didn't say, I am finished. Amen. That would have been the active voice. That means he did it. But he said, it is finished. Implying that something was done. Amen. Something he did on behalf of something else. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want you to understand that it. Because if we don't understand the it that was finished, we won't understand what he's talking about. What was it that was finished? In the passive voice, it's all about the it. I-T, that little word. It's all about that word. It's saying it is finished, not Christ was finished. It, something, something that was done, something that was laid out, was finished. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. And we'll read through 20. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish or without spot. Verse 20, listen carefully. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Christ didn't just, you know, there was a plan. Amen. Before Genesis 1-1, before it said in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. Before that point, before they said let there be light, before that happened, there was a plan. There was a plan that Christ would be foreordained to come to die on that cross. It was planned before. Before the world began. It, there, there was a purpose for it. What is that purpose? What, that's, you know, we need to zoom out before we zoom in. When you think about the it, what was it is finished? What is the it? Well, it's the plan of God that He planned before the foundation of the world that Christ would come and do something. And what did He do? 
Same thing. Uh, another verse. Uh, and I'll just read it for you. Acts 2.23 says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Same foreknowledge that we just talked about. Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. That's the same one. And when you think about things that are finished, you think about it is finished. In order to find that it more, we have to continue to peel the onion back. We've got to look at it. There are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that were talking about the coming Messiah. Over 300 of them. And those, those prophecies, pictures, types, foreshadowings, entire Old Testament is full of them. Amen. It's finished. That's part of the it. What was finished? He completely obeyed God 100% in every action. And I'll just read some. Don't try to turn to these or write them down. I'll go too fast. In Micah 5, 2, he said he's, born, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah 7, 14, he said he's going to be born of a virgin. In Genesis 12, 3, he said he's going to be a lineage of Abraham. In Genesis 49, 10, he's going to be the tribe of Judah. In Isaiah 7, 14, he's going to be called Emmanuel. In Malachi 3, 1, he said he's going to be preceded by a forerunner. We know that to be John the Baptist. Isaiah 43 and 5 refers to that as well. A messenger will prepare, will prepare the way. I'm not going to do all 300. Don't get scared. <laughs> uh, I couldn't do that. Uh, Psalm 69, 8. He was rejected by his own people. Uh, Psalm 2, 7. He was going to be declared the Son of God. Isaiah 11, 1. He was going to be called a Nazarene. Isaiah 6 and 9. Uh, 6, 9 through 10. He's going to speak in parables. Did he not? You know how about those. Uh, Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. He's going to heal the brokenhearted. Psalm 110, verse 4. He's going to be that the priest of the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. I can't even say that. Zechariah 11, 12. He's going to enter Jerusalem on a donkey. Uh, Psalm 41, 19. He's going to be betrayed. As, uh, Psalm 35, 11. He was going to be falsely accused. Psalm 35, 19. He was going to be hated. Isaiah 53, 12. Says he's going to be crucified with the criminals. We talked about that already, right? Then today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Psalm 22.16 says his hands and feet are going to be pierced. Psalm 22.7.8 says he's going to be mocked and ridiculed. Psalm 22.18 says he's going to gamble for his garments. We've read that today. Psalm 109.4 he's going to pray for his enemies. Father forgive them for they know not what they do. 22.1 he's going to be forsaken by God. My God, my God, why has that forsaken me? Zechariah 12.10, he's going to be pierced in his side. I love Isaiah 53.5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. It goes on to say, by his stripes we are healed. And then Psalm 69.21 said he was going to give, be given vinegar to drink. And you notice the fifth statement on the cross was what? I thirst. And he said all things need to be fulfilled. And then he drank. And then he said, it is finished. It appears that maybe Psalm 69, 21 was the last scripture in the Old Testament that he needed fulfilled. The last one before he could say, it is finished. So turn with me to Luke 24, 44. Luke 24, 44. says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms, 
concerning me. When he said it is finished, one of the what he was talking about there, one of the things he was talking about is that all of the things that God gave me to do, all of these scriptures were fulfilled. Every one of them were fulfilled. And he said, it is finished. The next thing that there's five things that we'll list out that it might be, or it is. Uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. We'll do a lot of scripture with today. So. Matthew 5, 17. The second one, uh, we, we first one was every prophecy, every type, every scripture in the Old Testament was fulfilled. The second thing is the law was fulfilled. He fulfilled the law through his righteousness. Matthew 5, 17 says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come not to destroy, but to fulfill. See, no one has ever been able to do that. No one has ever been able to do that. But Christ did. His righteousness fulfilled it completely. He fulfilled every jot, every tittle of the law. And Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone hanging on a tree. Romans 10.4 says, Christ, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. You cannot obtain righteousness through the law, only through Christ. Amen. To everyone who believes. The third thing that was it, was finished, was the sufferings of Christ. I can somewhat relate with Christ's sufferings physically. Some of you have been through some awful things physically. Some of you have been through cancer and all that. We, can even, we can't even come close to imagining what the mental anguish is. Not even close. We can't even relate. He drank that sweat, great drops of blood in the curtain. What happened in those three hours of darkness, I still can't even touch. It's... it's Paying the sin price for us? Eternal hell for us? His sufferings were finished. Number three, number four. His perfect obedience to the Father. Turn with, John, turn with me to John 17. John chapter 17. And verse four. This is high priestly prayer. He says in 17.4. Of John chapter John, excuse me, chapter seventeen, verse four. I'll get it out. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which you have gavest me to do. Perfect obedience of the Father everywhere. And we think about Christ, and we think about His ministry. What, what does He do? And He went to a certain place for a certain man. A certain place for a certain man. He had an appointment, an appointment, an appointment, an appointment, an appointment, and He went to every single appointment. The Father sent him. Amen. The fifth thing is Satan was defeated. And verse 5, uh, excuse me, Colossians, uh, go to Colossians with me. Chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And we'll look at verses 14 and 15. Jason, we talked about this yesterday. It was already in the notes. It's kind of cool. We talk about this stuff. Colossians chapter 2. And verses 14 and 15. It says, blotting out, the hand, excuse me, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances which was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it, it, what is it? Key word today. 
I think it's the same end. Took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. The blood and the, 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 the handwriting and the ordinances. I mean, nailed it to the cross. It's, it's done. And verse 15, And having spoiled the principalities and powers, He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Well, there's that the end again. It is finished. Who's the principality and power of the air right now? Satan. He has been defeated. Look at Genesis chapter uh, 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where this is referring to. This is after the fall of Adam and Eve. After they sinned, and, and God came to the garden and said, Where art thou? And they were hiding. And then you see in, in uh, chapter 15, verse 3, uh, God is addressing them. And first He addresses Satan. And he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. This is uh, Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Between thy seed and her seed. seed. Uh-oh, there's that word again. It shall bruise thy head. Yes. Talking to Satan. Your head is going to be bruised. It is finished. What is the it we were talking about? And listen, we have only touched our toe in the water of it. And I talked about five, but we've only touched our toe in it. It is finished. Every scripture, everything, it is finished. He has run the course God has given him to run. This is just a commercial break. This is just Dustin. I don't understand a lot of the second coming scriptures. I'll be honest with you, I don't. But you know what? I have faith in him because of this. Just like he fulfilled every single jot and tittle of the Old Testament about his first coming, every little jot and tittle will be fulfilled in his second coming too, even if we understand it or not. We may differ on what they mean and what it might be and what the timeline might be, but every single one, he's coming again. And you can have faith in that. Just like he fulfilled all the first ones, he fulfilled for the first coming, he fulfilled it off in, he will fulfill it off in the second coming. So that was the passive voice. It is finished. It's something that happened to the subject. It's not about what the subject did. The second thing I want to talk about is the indicative mood. <coughs> Now the indicative mood means that he was he didn't say it is finished, right? Is it finished? Wasn't saying that. Indicative mood means making a declaration. It's saying it is finished, right? And 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 it's it's a declaration, it's a statement, a fact, right? And I think of you know how can you help people understand this? And I think of these stupid examples. So sorry, but I think of when I went to Oklahoma State. Yes, I went to college. Don't laugh. I went to college and I graduated, all right? And so I remember, you know, you go through all these courses and you have all this course plan, you have all the stuff you have to do, and you have to go to this class and this age and this I and this class that you shouldn't go to, and they're indoctrinating you, right? They're trying to get you to believe like the world the whole time you're there, and, you know, sometimes you just got to get through the class, right? And you get through the classes, and, and you know, then, you know, you shake your hand. What was it for? The degree. It is finished. Right? Something is accomplished. What was accomplished? What was accomplished? So turn with me to, once again, we've got to zoom out. We've got to zoom out. We've got to go see what was accomplished. What was it? Uh, go with me to, uh, sorry, I'm off my notes completely. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Running out of time, so I've got to pick up the pace. So, Ephesians chapter 1, 
verse 4. Once again, we're going to zoom out. We're going to go back before the world began again. We're going to go back there. We're going to go back to that same place where they have plans for Christ to come. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, According He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. So before the foundation of the world, back when they were making that plan, Christ would come, right? He also had a plan for people. He chose some people. And he said, I'm, you're going to do something. Part of this plan is you're going to make them holy and without blame before them in love. Yeah. But the problem is we have a lot of sin. Who's holy in here? Right? We have a sin problem. We have a debt. We have a problem. Right? It's the same. And maybe you're more familiar with this verse, Matthew 121. Don't turn there. I'll just quote it for you. Or you can if you want. I tell you not to do anything. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, anyway, sorry about that. Uh, so uh, you don't have to turn there. But Matthew one twenty one, he said, And she shall bring forth a son. You're familiar with this. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Okay? What's he going to do? For he shall save his people. Who are his people? It's the same people we just talked about that he chose with the foundation of the world. Same people. He shall save his people from their sins. What does it mean to save them from their sins? It's to make them holy and without blame before them in love. How can you be holy without blame? You see, the word to telestai is the same word that the priest would use as they would bring the lamb forward without spot and limit. And they would cut that lamb and bleed on that altar. And I'm not saying exactly right, but you get the point of what I'm talking about. That's the same word. To telestai is finished. The sins are paid for one more year. One more year. One more year. And then one more here. Well, that came to an end, didn't it? Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 talks about that. In Hebrews chapter 10, it goes through and talks about this. Look at verse 3. That's what I was just talking about. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance of sin made again. Excuse me. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance, again, made of sins every year. Every year. And that three hours from the work was dark, what, 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 what was rent? The veil. Right. What happens? Or, verse 4. Verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Everything they did was a picture. And we just talked about that picture was before. It's done. Drop down. You keep dropping down in Hebrews chapter without time to read it all today. But drop down to verse 9. Then he said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. I come to do thy will. That's the passive voice part. I didn't get that before. I do now. I understand that now. I took I came to do thy will. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. To tell us die in ancient Greece was always used when you're going this direction and you stop and go this direction. To tell us die, you go a different direction. The old covenant, the new covenant. We understand that, right? right? We understand a new covenant I made with you. So verse 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of Jesus Christ once for all. Yeah. He paid it all. Amen. What is he declaring? In the indicative mood, what is he declaring? Paid in full. Amen. He paid it all. Amen. 
He paid it all. You are now, if you're a child of God, you are holy and without blame before Him in love right now. Amen. Even though you sin. Amen. So what, what's the deal? He's declaring, it is finished. It is finished. You are holy and without blame before Him in love. Then you got the perfect tense. The perfect tense, and I find this kind of really cool. I, I would have never got, I, I get it, but I didn't get it until I kind of read it. The perfect tense is this. It describes an action completed in the past that has continued results for the present. So it's a, when he said it is finished, to tell us that, he was talking about something he did. But the point, the emphasis is not on what he did. The emphasis is on what does it mean to you right now? Not eternal life. We get that. He's not saying eternal life because that's tomorrow, that's later, that's someday. He's talking about right now. Right now. What does the cross mean to you? When he said it is finished, does it mean anything to you? And I think of another stupid example. Forgive me, but let's just say I was a great painter. And I spent years and years making the most beautiful painting you've ever seen. Beautiful, right? All you go, wow, it's okay. And I say, it's finished. Can we just tear it up and throw it away? What do you do? You display it in a museum, right? You put it in a museum somewhere, and every time people walk by, they go, wow. It is finished. It, it emphasizes the perfect tense. It emphasizes the future action. How does it make you feel today? Knowing that you were holding without blame before Him in love. Knowing that He accomplished everything God gave you to do. What does it mean to you right now? What does it mean? When you walk by and you see and you hear those words, it is finished. Uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Should it make you think differently? Should it change your life? Because I think we struggle with this. I think we struggle with, with it being finished. Romans chapter 6, and there were so many different passages that could have used for this. I, it was overwhelming almost to come up with one. I don't know how. Maybe someday as you get more experience preaching, that you can have different, I mean, there's 2,000 passages you can use, and you got to somehow narrow down a few, and I've already used like 20 today, so uh, so forgive me if this isn't the perfect one, because it, I don't, I couldn't pick which one, so I settled on this one. Uh, Romans chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 6, and we'll read through 14. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of the sins might be destroyed, that henceforth, we should not serve sin. For that he is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For if he that died, he died unto sin once. But he that liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also, excuse me, likewise with my, um, I haven't put my glasses on yet, so you notice that. So I'm struggling. I, I learned, I used to be able to read really okay, but then my eyes went south. <laughs> and ever since then, I, 
it's, it's a struggle. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. That you should be that you should obey in it the lust thereof. Neither yield yourselves as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin hath not dominion over you. I'm going to repeat that part. For sin hath not dominion over you. I'll repeat that again. For sin hath not dominion over you. For you are not under the law, you are under grace. You see, we all struggle with sin. We sin more than we want. We sin. Some of you it's bitterness, some selfishness, pride, all different things. But I also, also know a lot of people that they're serving sin they committed 22 years ago. Right. 22 years ago, they did this. And they can't get over it. Right? Can I ask you a question? Yes. Will your guilt pay for your sin? <laughs> what about your, your, your depression? What about your, your sincerity? What about um, your pity party? What about anything? If you're struggling with a sin that you committed many years ago, I think you're missing what it is finished means. Completely. Completely missing it. It's paid for. It's done. Christ did not love you more before you sinned, and then He loves you less after. He paid for it on the cross, and He said it is finished. It is paid for. That sin that you're struggling with is already paid for. If you finish paying your mortgage and you pay for 30 years and you pay your mortgage and it's paid for, and they stay up to telesty on the paper. Because in the ancient Greek, you know, that's what they would do. If a bill was paid, they'd stay up to telesty right on the paper. It means paid in full. Are you still going to send payments in? No. I don't feel like I'll pay enough for the house. I don't think I'll pay enough. I need to pay more. The bank needs my money. Is that what you said? It's the same thing whenever you continue to pay for a sin that God has paid for. He has paid for it. It's done. It is finished. It is finished. We live in a generation of victims. I just got to say this. I have heard so many people over and over talk about their victimhood. Something that happened years ago and they're still dwelling in it. Let it go. If you can understand what it is finished means, let it go. Yes. And, and that's where the perfect tense really comes to my mind. It's every time you struggle with it, go look at that painting. Go look at what Christ did and let it go. It's going to have an effect on you. As soon as you get, start getting drugged down on it, look at His Word, read that, it is finished. Read that statement. Just memorize. I can memorize that one. That's easy. It is finished. Think about it. What was finished? What sin do you have that wasn't paid for right then if you're a child of God? What about the sin you're going to commit tomorrow? It's paid. It's all paid. It is finished. 
So we get to go to vacation this week. I'll be going Wednesday, and we're going to Silver Dollar City. <laughs> and Daniel's favorite song might play. He's been bugging me about it. And some of you may have had this experience before. I don't know. Um, but you know, I will say, let me back up and say this. COVID has done some terrible things, and it's done some awesome things. Right? From all bad things, good things come from them. And I think of, you know, the work from home. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I love work from home. You know, I think, uh, and, you know, when it comes to other things, a lot of, a lot of people, that they've really gotten close to their families again. Maybe some priorities have came back. You know, maybe they were just, you know, working and working. When you all had to go home, it some things came. In, 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 the, in the Christian world, in the music world, a lot of amazing songs have been written. Right? Some of the songs that have been written in the last two, three years are better than the whole ten years before that combined. Because they're not just raw, 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 everything's great. They're songs that have depth. And, and so we're going to Silver see this week and we're going to hear these different groups and whatever. And there's one song that Daniel bugs, <laughs> Daniel bugs me about. But it was a song that I was on the well, I was driving one day, and you, you guys ever sing your windshield? Yeah. You're the best singer in the world in your car when you're by yourself, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> you just let it loose, don't you? Yeah. You just let it loose. Well, I was, he listened to the song, I never heard it before. And it's by Gordon Boat. He's blind, um, and he plays the piano. He's, he's in everything. You Google up Gordon Boat, you never know what you're going to find. He's played for everybody in all times, and, you know, all different people. But he this song, and it's called Live Forgiven. Live forgiven. This is just the chorus. And whenever I heard it, you ever had a pullover song? The song where you had to pull over? Try not to pull over right now. So, uh, it was a pullover song. I had to pull over. Because it hit me. It hit me hard. The chorus goes, but he is free. And it's talking about a, a, someone that comes to church every week and is struggling. And it says, he is free, he just don't know it. You done that? Amen. You are free from sin. You are free, it is finished. You are, it says that he is free, he just don't know it. He is loved, he just can't feel it. Are you loved? It is finished. You are holy and without him, with, excuse me, you are holy and without blame before him in love. Amen. I know. Amen. There's more mercy than he could ever fathom. He is healed. He just can't see it. By His stripes you are healed. You are healed. He is whole. He just can't believe it. Can you believe that you're perfect in God's eyes? It says, but the past is broken. It's broken. Some of you are still chained to it. But it's broken. Yes. The cross has spoken. Amen. Live forgive. I had to ask myself, am I living forgiven? Am I living as if it's forgiven? There was another song. Brian Free sings it. And it's talking about There'll come a day when you see him in glory, and I'll only recall Calvary's side of my story. Yeah. For when my sins are forgiven, my salvation was bought. 
over and over when I can't remember everything you forgot. He's cast your sins as far as he used this from the West. But you're still loving life. You are free. It is finished. Greatest statement ever said. Maybe the greatest moment every time, of, of, of any time. Yes. The greatest statement ever said. It is finished. I have just touched the surface. What it is finished means. Just touch the surface, the surface of it. Jesus perfectly obeyed the will of the Father, fulfilling the law, conquering Satan, fulfilling every picture, every type, everything in the Old Testament, every scripture. The result is in declaring. It was for a purpose. There was a purpose for it. And he's declaring it. It is done. The purpose is done. The debt is paid. Your debt was paid by Him on the cross. Even the debt you haven't spent yet. Even the money you haven't spent. Even the sin you haven't committed yet has already been paid by Him on the cross. In the perfect tense, it's all about what does it mean to you now? What does it mean to you every moment of your life? It is finished. Can you grasp that you're holy without blame before Him above? Right now. It's hard to grasp. But it is finished. You grasping it doesn't make it true or not. Right? <laughs> so, pray that this is a blessing to you today. So let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your